sermons of Smith Wigglesworth concerning spiritual gifts in one core. 12. One we read, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. There is a great weakness in the Church of Christ, because of an awful ignorance concerning the Spirit of God, and the gifts He has come to bring. God would have us powerful on all lines because of the revelation of the knowledge of His will concerning the power and manifestation of His Spirit. He would have us ever hungry to receive more and more of His Spirit. In times past I have arranged many conventions, and I have found that it is better to have a man on my platform who has not received the baptism, but who is hungry for all that God has for him, than a man who has received the baptism, and is satisfied, and has settled down and become stationary and stagnant. But of course I would prefer a man that is baptized with the Holy Ghost and is still hungry for more of God. A man who is not hungry to receive more of God is out of order in any convention. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of being filled with the Spirit. It is impossible for us to meet the conditions of the day, to walk in the light as he is in the light, to subdue kingdoms and work righteousness, and bind the power of Satan, unless we are filled with the Holy Ghost. We read that in the early church they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. It is important for us also to continue steadfastly in these same things. For some years I was associated with the Plymouth Brethren. They are very strong on the word, and are sound on water baptism, and they do not neglect the breaking of bread service, but have it every Lord's Day morning, as they had it in the early church. These people seem to have everything except the match. They have the wood, but they need the fire, and then they would be all ablaze. Because they lack the fire of the Holy Spirit, there is no life in their meetings. One young man who attended their meetings received the baptism, with the speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance. The brethren were very upset about this and came to the Father, and said to him, You must take your son aside, and tell him to cease. They did not want any disturbance. The Father told the son and said, My boy, I have been attending this church for twenty years, and have never seen anything of this kind. We are established in the truth, and do not want anything new. We won't have it. The son replied, If that is God's plan I will obey, but somehow or other I don't think it is. As they were going home the horse stood still, the wheels were in deep ruts. The father pulled at the reins but the horse did not move. He asked, What do you think is up? The son answered, It has got established. God save us from becoming stationary. God would have us to understand concerning spiritual gifts, and to covet earnestly the best gifts, and also to enter into the more excellent way of the fruit of the Spirit. We must beseech God for these gifts. It is a serious thing to have the baptism, and yet be stationary, to live two days in succession on the same spiritual plane is a tragedy. We must be willing to deny ourselves everything to receive the revelation of God's truth, and to receive the fullness of the Spirit. Only that will satisfy God, and nothing less must satisfy us. A young Russian received the Holy Spirit, and was mightily endued with power from on high. Some sisters were anxious to know the secret of his power. The secret of his power was continuous waiting upon God. As the Holy Ghost filled him it seemed as though every breath became a prayer, and so all his ministry was on an increasing line. I know a man who was full of the Holy Ghost, and would preach only when he knew that he was mightily unctionized by the power of God. He was asked to preach at a Methodist church. He was staying at the minister's house, and he said, You go on the church, and I will follow. 
The place was packed with people and this man did not turn up and the Methodist minister, becoming anxious, sent his little girl to inquire why he did not come. As she came to the bedroom door she heard him crying out three times, I will not go. She went bark and reported that she heard the man say three times that he would not go. The minister was troubled about it, but almost immediately after this the man came in, and, as he preached that night, the power of God was tremendously manifested. The preacher asked him, Why did you tell my daughter, that you were not coming? He answered, I know when I am filled. I am an ordinary man, and I told the Lord, that I dared not go, and would not go until he gave me a fresh filling of the Spirit. The moment the glory filled me, and overflowed I came to the meeting. Yes, there is a power, a blessings, an assurance, a rest in the presence of the Holy Ghost. You can feel His presence and know that He is with you. You need not spend an hour without this inner knowledge of His Holy Presence. With His power upon you there can be no failure. You are above par all the time. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as ye were led. This is the Gentile day. When the Jews refused the blessings of God he scattered them, and he has grafted the Gentiles into the olive tree, where the Jews were broken off. There never has been a time when God has been so favorable to a people who were not a people. He has brought in the Gentiles to carry out his purpose of preaching the gospel to all nations, and to receive the power of the Holy Ghost to accomplish this task. It is of the mercy of God that he has turned to the Gentiles and made us partakers of all the blessings that belong to the Jews and here under this canopy of glory because we believe we get all the blessings of faithful Abraham. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. There are many evil, deceiving spirits sent forth in these last days who endeavor to rob Jesus of his lordship and of his rightful place. Many are opening the doors to these latest devils such as new theology and new thought and Christian science. These evil cults deny the fundamental truths of God's word. They all deny eternal punishment and all deny the deity of Jesus Christ. You will never see the baptism of the Holy Ghost come upon a man who accepts these errors. Neither will you see a Romanist receive. They put Mary in the place of the Holy Ghost. I would like you to produce a Romanist who knows that he is saved. No man can know he is saved by works. If you ever speak to a Romanist you will know that he is not definite on the line of the new birth. He cannot be. Another thing, you will never find a Russellite baptized in the Holy Ghost nor a member of any other cult that does not put the Lord Jesus Christ preeminent above all. The all-important thing is to make Jesus Lord. Men can grow lopsided by emphasizing the truth of divine healing. Man can get wrong by all the time preaching on water baptism. But we never go wrong in exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, giving him the preeminent place, and magnifying him, as both Lord and Christ, yes, as very God, of very God. As we are filled with the Holy Ghost our one desire is to magnify him, we need to be filled with the Spirit to get the full revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's command is for us to be filled with the Spirit. We are no good if we have only a full cup, we need to have an overflowing cup all the time. It is a tragedy not to live in the fullness of overflowing. See that you never live below the overflowing tide. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
Every manifestation of the Spirit is given, that we might profit with all. When the Holy Spirit is moving in an assembly and His gifts are in operation, everyone will receive profit. I have seen some who have been terribly switched. They believe in gifts, in prophecy, and they use these gifts apart from the power of the Holy Ghost. We must look to the Holy Spirit to show us the use of the gifts, what they are for, and when to use them, so that we may never use them without the power of the Holy Ghost. I do not know of anything which is so awful today as people using a gift without the power. Never do it God save us from doing it. A man who is filled with the Holy Ghost, while he may not be conscious of having any gift of the Spirit, can have the gifts made manifest through him. I have gone to many places to help and have found that under the unction of the Holy Spirit many wonderful things have happened in the midst when the glory of the Lord was upon the people. Any man who is filled with God and filled with his Spirit might at any mo have any of the nine gifts made manifest through him without knowing that he has a gift. Sometimes I have wondered whether it was better to be always full of the Holy Ghost and to see signs and wonders and miracles without any consciousness of possessing a gifts or whether it was better to know one has a gift. If you have received the gifts of the Spirit and they have been blessed, you should never under any circumstances use them without the power of God upon you pressing the gift through. Some have used the prophetic gift without the holy touch and they have come into the realm of the natural and it has brought ruin, caused dissatisfaction, broken hearts, upset assemblies. Do not seek the gifts unless you are purposed to abide in the Holy Spirit. They should be manifested only in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord will allow you to be very drunk in His presence, but sober among people. I like to see people so filled with the Spirit that they are drunk like the 120 on the day of Pentecost, but I don't like to see people drunk in the wrong place. That is what troubles us, somebody being drunk in a place of worship, where a lot of people come in that know nothing about the Word. If you allow yourself to be drunk there you send people away, they look at you instead of seeing God. They condemn the whole thing because you have not been sober at the right time. Paul writes, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause to core. 5.13. You can be beside yourself. You can go a bit further than being drunk. You can dance if you will do it at the right time. So many things are commendable when all the people are in the spirit. Many things are very foolish if the people round about you are not in the spirit. We must be careful not to have a good time at the expense of somebody else. When you have a good time you must see that the spiritual conditions in the place lend themselves to help you and that the people are falling in line with you. Then you will find it always a blessing. While it is right to covet earnestly the best gifts, you must recognize that the all-important thing is to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost Himself. You will never have trouble with people who are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, but you will have a lot of trouble with people who have the gifts and have no power. The Lord wants us to come behind in no gift, but at the same time He wants us to be so filled with the Holy Ghost that it will be the Holy Spirit manifesting Himself through the gifts. Where the glory of God alone is desired you can look for every needed gift to be made manifest. To glorify God is better than to idolize gifts. We prefer the Spirit of God to any gift but we can look for the Trinity in manifestation. Different gifts by the same Spirit, different administrations, but the same Lord, diversities of operation, but the same God working all in all. Can you conceive of what it will mean for our triune God? to be manifesting himself in his fullness in our assemblies? 
Watch that great locomotive boiler as it is filled with steam. You can see the engine letting off some of the steam as it remains stationary. It looks as though the whole thing might burst. You can see saints like that. They start to scream, but that is not to edification. But when the locomotive moves on, it serves the purpose for which it was built and pulls along much traffic with it. It is wonderful to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and for Him to serve His own purposes through us through our lips divine utterances flow, our hearts rejoice and our tongue is glad. It is an inward power within which is manifested in outward expression. Jesus Christ is glorified. As your faith in Him is quickened, from within you there will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit will pour through you like a great river of life and thousands will be blessed because you are a yielded channel through whom the Spirit may flow. The most important thing, the one thing, that counts, is to see that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing. Anything less than this is displeasing to God. We are commanded by God to be filled with the Spirit, and in the measure you fail of this you are that far short of the plan of God. The Lord would have us moving on from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from fullness to overflowing. It is not good for us to be ever thinking in the past tense, but we should be moving on to the place where we dare believe God. He has declared that after the Holy Ghost has come upon us we shall have power. I believe there is an avalanche of power from God to be apprehended, if we will, but catch the vision. Paul wrote at one time, I will now come to visions and revelations. God has put us in a place where he expects us to have his latest revelation, the revelation of that marvelous fact, Christ in U.S., and what this really means. We can apprehend Christ fully only, as we are filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. Our only safeguards from dropping back into our natural mind, from which we can never get anything, is to be filled, and yet filled again with the Spirit of God, and to be taken on to visions and revelations on a new line. The reason why I emphasize the importance of the fullness of the Holy Ghost is that I want to get you beyond all human plans and thoughts into the fullness of vision, into the full revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want rest? It is in Jesus. Do you want to be saved from everything the devil is bringing up in these last times? Receive and continue in the fullness of the Holy Ghost, and he will be ever revealing to you that all you need for all times is in Christ Jesus your Lord. I desire to emphasize the importance of the Spirit's ministration, and of the manifestation of the Spirit which is given to every man to profit with all. As you yield to the Spirit of the Lord he has power over your intellect, over your heart, and over your voice. The Holy Spirit has power to unveil Christ, and to project the vision of Christ upon the canvas of your mind, and then he uses your tongue to glorify and magnify him in a way that you could never do apart from the Spirit's power. Never say that when you are filled with the Holy Ghost you are obliged to do this or that. When people say that they are obliged to do this or that I know it is not the Spirit of God, but their own spirit moving them on to do that which is unseemly and unprofitable. Lots of people spoil meetings because they scream. If you want to do that kind of thing you had better get into some cellar. That is not to edification. I believe that when the Spirit of God is upon you and moving you to speak as he gives utterance, it will always be to edification. But don't spoil the prayer meeting because when you ought to stop you go on. Who spoils the prayer meeting? The man who starts in the Spirit and finishes in the flesh. Nothing is more lovely than prayer, but a prayer meeting is killed, if you will go on and on in you. 
own spirit when the Spirit of God is through with you. You say, as you come from some meetings, that was a lovely message. If the preacher only had stopped half an hour, before he did. Learn to cease immediately the unction of the Spirit lifts. The Holy Ghost is jealous. Your body is the temple, the office of the Holy Ghost, but he does not fill the temple for human glorification, but only for the glory of God. You have no license to continue beyond of us, saith the Lord. There is an other side to this. God would have the assembly as free as possible, and you must not put your hand upon the working of the Spirit, or it will surely bring trouble. You must be prepared to allow a certain amount of extravagance in young and newly baptized souls. You must remember that when you were brought into this life of the Spirit you had as many extravagances as anybody, but you have now become somewhat sobered down. It is a pity that some do get sobered down, for they are not where they were in the early days. We have to look to God for wisdom, that we do not interfere, or dampen the Spirit, or quench the power of God, when lies manifested in our meetings. If you want to have an assembly full of life you must have an assembly full of manifestation. Nobody will come if there is no manifestation. We need to look to God for special grace that we do not move back to looking at things from a natural viewpoint. The preacher, after he loses his unction, should inwardly repent and get right with God and get the unction back. We are no good without the unction of the Spirit of God. If you are filled with the grace of God you will not be judging everybody in the assembly, you will rather be trusting everybody, you will not be frightened at what is being done, you will have a heart to believe all things, and to believe that though there may be some extravagances, the Spirit of God will take control of things, and will see that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is exalted, glorified, and revealed to hungry hearts that desire to know him. The Lord would have us wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil, free from distrust, entering into a divine likeness to Jesus, that dares believe that God Almighty will surely watch over all. Hallelujah! The Holy Ghost is the one who magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who gives illumination of Him. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, it is impossible to keep your tongue still. Talk about a dumb baptized soul. It is not to be found in the Scriptures or outside of the scriptures. We are filled with the Spirit in order, that we may magnify the Lord, and there should be no meeting in which the saints do not glorify, magnify, praise, and worship the Lord in spirit, and in truth. I would like to give one word of caution, for failure often comes through our not recognizing the fact that we are always in the body. We will need our bodies as long as we live. But our body is to be used and controlled by the Spirit of God. We are to present our bodies, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Every member of our body must be so sanctified that it works in harmony with the Spirit of God. Our very eyes must be sanctified. God hates the winking of the eye. Front the day that I read in the Proverbs what God had to say about the winking of the eye, Prof. 6.13 and Tenton, I have never winked. I desire that my eyes may be so sanctified that they can always be used for the Lord. The Spirit of God will bring within us a compassion for souls, that will be seen in our very eyes. God has never changed the order of things, that first there comes the natural, and then the spiritual. For instance, when it is on your heart to pray, you begin in the natural, and your second word will probably be under the power of the Spirit. You begin and God will end. It is the same in giving forth utterances, under the Spirit's power. 
you feel the moving of the Spirit within and you begin to speak and the Spirit of God will give forth utterance. Thousands have missed wonderful blessings because they have not had faith to move out and begin in the natural, in faith that the Lord would take them into the realm of the supernatural. When you receive the Holy Ghost you receive God's gift, in whom are all the gifts of the Spirit. Paul counsels Timothy to stir up the gift that was within. You have power to stir up God's executive within you. The way you stir up the gift within you is by beginning in faith, and then he gives forth what is needed for the occasion. You would never begin unless you were full of God. When we yield to timidity and fear we simply yield to Satan. Satan whispers, it is all self. He is a liar. I have learned this, if the Spirit of God is stirring me up, I have no hesitation in beginning to speak in tongues, and the Spirit of God gives me utterance and gives me the interpretation. I find that every time I yield to the Lord, on this line I get a divine touch, I get a leading thought from the Spirit of God, and the meeting is moved up on the line of faith. You attend the meeting in faith, believing that the Lord is going to meet you there. But perhaps the evangelist is not in harmony with God. The people in the assembly are not getting what God wants. The Lord knows it. He knows his people are hungry. What happens? He will take perhaps the smallest vessels and put his power upon them. As they yield to the Spirit they break forth in a tongue. Another yields to the Spirit and there comes forth the interpretation. The Lord's church has to be fed and the Lord will take this means of speaking to his people. Pentecostal people cannot be satisfied with the natural message. They are in touch with heavenly things and cannot be satisfied with anything less. They feel when there is something lacking in a meeting, and they look to God and He supplies that which is lacking. When a man is filled with the Spirit he has no conception of what he has. We are so limited in our conception of what we have received. The only way we can know the power that has been given is through the ministration and manifestation of the Spirit of God. Do you think that Peter and John knew what they had when they went up to the temple to pray? They were limited in thought and limited in their expression. The nearer we get to God the more conscious we are of the poverty of the hue, and we cry with Isaiah, I am undone, I am unclean. But the Lord will bring the precious blood and the flaming coals for cleansing and refining and send us out to labor for him empowered by his spirit. God has sent forth this outpouring that we may all be brought into a revelation of our sonship EBAT we are sons of God, men of power, that we are to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are to have the powers of sonship, the power to lay hold of that which is weak, and to quicken it. The baptism of the Spirit is to make us sons of God with power. We shall be conscious of our human limits, but we shall not limit the Holy One, who has come to dwell within. We must believe that since the Holy Ghost has come upon us we are indeed sons of God with power. Never say that you can't. All things are possible to them that believe. Launch out into the deep and believe that God has his all for you and that you can do all things through him who strengthens you. Peter and John knew that they had been in the upper room, they had felt the glory, they had been given divine utterances. They had seen conviction on the people. They knew that they had come into a wonder-filled thing. They know that what they had would be ever-increasing, and that it would be ever-needful to cry, enlarge the vessel, that the Holy Ghost may have more room within. They knew that all the old things were moved away, and they had entered into an increasing and ever-increasing knowledge of God, and that it was their Master's wish, that they should be filled with the Spirit of God, and with power every day, and every hour.
The secret of power is the unveiling of Christ, the all-powerful one, within, the revelation of God, who comes to abide within us as they looked upon the crippled man at the beautiful gate they were filled with compassion. They were prompted by the Spirit, to stop and speak with him. They said to the lame man, Look, on us it was God's plan, that the man should open his eyes with expectation. Peter said, Of silver and gold we have none. But we have something, and we will give it to you. We don't know what it is, but we give it to you. It is all in the name of Jesus. And then began the ministry of God. You begin in faith and you see what will happen. It has been from us at the beginning, but, as we have faith in God he will come forth. The coming forth of the power is not of us but of God. There is no limit to what he will do. It is all in a nutshell as you believe God. And so Peter said, Such as I have I give to thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk. And the man who had been in that way for forty years stood up, and began to leap, and entered into the temple walking, and leaping, and praising God. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. I want you to keep in mind the importance of never expecting the gifts of the Spirit apart from the power of the Spirit. In coveting the best gifts, covet to be so full of God and His glory, that the gifts and manifestation will always glorify Him. We do not know all, and we cannot know all that can be brought forth in the manifestation of the word of wisdom. One word of wisdom from God, one flash of light on the word of God, is sufficient to save us from a thousand pitfalls. People have built without a word from God, they have bought things, without a word from God, and they have been ensnared. They have lacked that word of wisdom which will bring them into God's plan for their lives. I have been in many places where I have needed word of wisdom from God, and this has been vouchsafed. I will give you one instance. There is one thing I am very grateful to the Lord for, and that is that He has given me grace not to have a desire for money. The love of money is a great hindrance to many, and many a man is crippled in his ministry because he lets his heart run after financial matters. I was walking out one day when I met a godly man, who lived opposite me and he said, My wife and I have been talking together about selling our house and we feel constrained to sell it to you. As we talked together he persuaded me to buy his place, and before we said goodbye I told him that I would take it. We always make big mistakes when we are in a hurry. I told my wife what I had promised and she said, How will you manage it? I told her that I had managed things so far, but I did not know how I was going to get through this. I somehow knew that I was out of divine order. But when a fellow gets out of divine order it seems that the last person he goes to is God. I was relying on an architect to help me, but that scheme fell through. I turned to my relations and I certainly had wet shirt, as one after another turned me down. I tried my friends and managed no better. My wife said to me, Thou hast never been to God yet. What could I do? I have a certain place in our house where I go to pray. I have been there very often. As I went I said, Lord, I you will get me out of this scrape, I will never trouble thee on this line again. As I waited on the Lord he just gave me one word. It seemed a ridiculous thing, but it was the wisest counsel. There is divine wisdom in every word he speaks. I came down to my wife, saying, What do you think? The Lord has told me to go to Brother Webster. I said, It seems very ridiculous, for he is one of the poorest men I know. He was the poorest man I knew, but he was also the richest man I knew, for he knew God. 
My wife said, do what God says, and it will be right. I went off at once to see him, and he said, as he greeted me, Smith, what brings you so early? I answered, the word of God. I said to him, about three weeks ago I promised to buy a house of a man, and I am short one hundred pounds, five hundred dollars. I have tried to get this money, but somehow I seem to have missed God. How is it, he asked, that you have come to me only now? I answered, because I went to the Lord, about it only last night. Well, he said, it is a strange thing, three weeks ago I had one hundred pounds. For years I have been putting money into a cooperative system, and three weeks ago I had to go and draw one hundred pounds out. I hid it under the mattress. Come with me and you shall have it. Take it. I hope it will bring as great a blessing to you, as it has been a trouble to me I had had the word from God, and all my troubles were ended. This has been multiplied in a hundred ways since that time. If I had been walking along filled with the Holy Ghost, I would not have bought that house and would not have had all that strain. I believe the Lord wants to loose us from things of earth. But I am ever grateful for that word from God. There have been times in my life when I have been in great crises and under great weight of intercession. I have gone to the meeting without the knowledge of what I would say, but somehow or other God would vouchsafe the coming forth under the power of the Spirit of some word of wisdom, just what some souls in that meeting needed. As we look to God his mind will be made known, and his revelation and his word of wisdom will be forthcoming. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10 9. For to this end Christ died, and lived again, that he might be a Lord of both the dead and the living. Romans 14 9. Gifts of healings and miracles God has given us much in these last days, and where much is given much will be required. The Lord has said to us, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out, and to be trodden underfoot of men. We see a thought on the same line, when our Lord Jesus says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. On the other hand he tells us, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If we do not move on with the Lord these days, and do not walk in the light of revealed truth, we shall become as the savorless salt, as a withered branch. This one thing we must do, forgetting those things that are behind, the past failures and the past blessings, we must reach forth for those things which are before, and press toward the mark for the prize of our high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For many years the Lord has been moving me on and keeping me from spiritual stagnation. When I was in the Wesleyan Methodist Church I was sure I was saved and was sure I was all right. The Lord said to me, Come out, and I came out. When I was with the people known as the brethren I was sure I was all right now. But the Lord said, Come out. Then I went into the Salvation Army. At that time it was full of life, and there were revivals everywhere. But the Salvation Army went into natural things, and the great revivals that they had in those early days ceased. The Lord said to me, Come out, and I came out. I have had to come out three times since I believe that this Pentecostal revival that we are now in is the best thing that the Lord has on the earth today, and yet I believe that God has something out of this that is going to be still better. 
God has no use for any man, who is not hungering, and thirsting for yet more of himself and his righteousness. The Lord has told us to covet earnestly the best gifts, and we need to be covetous for those that will bring him most glory. We need to see the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles in operation today. Some say that it is necessary for us to have a gift of discernment in operation with the gifts of healing, but even apart from this gift I believe the Holy Ghost will have a divine revelation for us as we deal with the sick. Most people seem to have discernment, or think they have, and if they would turn it on themselves for twelve months they would never want to discern again. The gift of discernment is not criticism. I am satisfied that in Pentecostal circles today, that our paramount need is more perfect love. Perfect love will never want the preeminence in everything, it will never want to take the place of another, it will always be willing to take the back seat. If you go to a convention there is always someone who wants to give a message, who wants to be heard. If you have a desire to go to a convention you should have three things settled in your mind. Do I want to be heard? Do I want to be seen? Do I want anything on the line of finances? If I have these things in my heart I have no right to be there. The one thing that must move us must be the constraining love of God to minister for Him. A preacher always loses out when he gets his mind on finances. It is well for Pentecostal preachers to avoid making much of finances except to stir up people to help our missionaries on financial lines. A preacher who gets big collections for the missionaries need never fear, the Lord will take care of his finances. A preacher should not land at a place and say that God had sent him. I am always fearful when I hear a man advertising this. If he is sent of God, the saints will know it. God has his plans for his servants, and we must so live in his plans that he will place us where he wants us. If you seek nothing but the will of God, he will always put you in the right place at the right time. I want you to see that the gifts of healing and the working of miracles are part of the Spirit's plan and will come forth in operation as we are working along that plan. I must know the movement of the Spirit and the voice of God. I must understand the will of God if I am to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. The gifts of healing are so varied. You may go and see ten people and every case is different. I am never happier in the Lord than when I am in a bedroom with a sick person. I have had more revelations of the Lord's presence when I have ministered to the sick at their bedsides than at any other time. It is as your heart goes out to the needy ones in deep compassion that the Lord manifests His presence. You are able to locate their position. It is then that you know that you must be filled with the Spirit to deal with the conditions before you. Where people are in sickness you find frequently that they are dense about Scripture. They usually know three Scriptures though. They know about Paul's thorn in the flesh and that Paul told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's sake and that Paul left someone sick somewhere. They forget his name and don't remember the name of the place and don't know where the chapter is. Most people think they have a thorn in the flesh. The chief thing in dealing with a person who is sick is to locate their exact position. As you are ministering under the Spirit's power the Lord will let you see just that which will be more helpful and most faith-inspiring to them. When I was in the plumbing business I enjoy praying for the sick. Urgent calls would come and I would have no time to wash and with my hands all black I would preach to these sick ones, my heart all aglow with love. Ah, you must have your heart in the thing when you pray for the sick. You have to get right to the bottom of the cancer with a divine compassion and then you will see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. 
I was called at 10 o'clock one night to pray for a young person given up by the doctor who was dying of consumption. As I looked, I saw that, unless God undertook it was impossible for her to live. I turned to the mother and said, Well, mother, you will have to go to bed. She said, Oh, I have not had my clothes off for three weeks. I said to the daughters, You will have to go to bed, but they did not want to go. It was the same with the son. I put on my overcoat and said, Goodbye, I'm off. They said, Oh, don't leave us. I said, I can't do nothing here. They said, Oh, if you will stop, we will all go to bed. I knew that God would move nothing in an atmosphere of mere natural sympathy and unbelief. They all went to bed and I stayed, and that was surely a time, as I knelt by that bed face to face with death and with the devil. But God can change the hardest situation and make you know that he is almighty. Then the fight came. It seemed as though the heavens were brass. I prayed from 11 to 3.30 in the morning. I saw the glimmering light on the face of the sufferer and saw her pass away. The devil said, Now you are done for. You have come from Bradford and the girl has died on your hands. I said, It can't be. God did not send me here for nothing. This is a time to change strength. I remembered that passage which said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Death had taken place, but I knew that my God was all-powerful, and he that had split the Red Sea is just the same today. It was a time when I would not have no, and God said yes. I looked at the window and at that moment the face of Jesus appeared. It seemed as though a million rays of light were coming from his face. As he looked at the one who had just passed away, the color came back to the face. She rolled over and fell asleep. Then I had a glorious time. In the morning she woke early, put on a dressing gown, and walked to the piano. She started to play and to sing a wonderful song. The mother and the sister and the brother had all come down to listen. The Lord had undertaken. A miracle had been wrought. The Lord is calling us along this way. I am thanking God for difficult cases. The Lord has called us into heart union with himself. He wants his bride to have one heart and one spirit with him and to do what he himself loved to do. That case had to be a miracle. The lungs were gone, they were just in shreds, but the Lord restored lungs that were perfectly sound. There is a fruit of the Spirit that must accompany the gift of healing, and that is long-suffering. The man who is going through with God to be used in healing must be a man of long-suffering. He must be always ready with the word of comfort. If the sick one is in distress and helpless, and does not see everything eye to eye with you, you must bear with him. Our Lord Jesus Christ was filled with compassion, and lived and moved in a place of long-suffering, and we will have to get into this place, if we are to help needy ones. There are some times when you pray for the sick and you are apparently rough. But you are not dealing with a person, you are dealing with the satanic forces, that are binding the person. Your heart is full of love and compassion to all but you are moved to a holy anger, as you see the place the devil has taken in the body of the sick one, and you deal with his position with a real forcefulness. One day a pet dog followed a lady out of her house, and ran all round her feet. She said to the dog, My dear, I cannot have you with me today. The dog wagged its tail and made a big fuss. She said, Go home, my dear. But the dog did not go. At last she shouted roughly, Go home, and off it went. Some people deal with the devil, like that, the devil can stand all the comfort you like to give him. Cast him out. 
You are dealing not with a person, you are dealing with the devil. Demon power must be dislodged in the name of the Lord. You are always right when you dare to deal with sickness, as with the devil. Much sickness is caused by some misconduct, there is something wrong, there is some neglect somewhere, and Satan has had a chance to get in it is necessary to repent and confess where you have given place to the devil, and then he can be dealt with. When you deal with a cancer case, recognize that it is a living evil spirit that is destroying the body. I had to pray for a woman in Los Angeles one time who was suffering with cancer, and as soon as it was cursed it stopped bleeding. It was dead. The next thing that happened was that the natural body pressed it out because the natural body had no room for dead matter. It came out like a great big ball with tens of thousands of fibers. All these fibers had been pressing into the flesh. These evil powers move to get further hold of the system, but the moment they are destroyed their hold is gone. Jesus said to his disciples that he gave them power to loose and power to bind. It is our privilege and the power of the Holy Ghost to loose the prisoners of Satan and to let the oppressed go free. Take your position in the first epistle of John and declare, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Then recognize that it is not yourself that has to deal with the power of the devil but the greater one that is in you. Oh, what it means to be filled with him. You can't do nothing of yourself but he that is in you will win the victory. Your being has become the temple of the Spirit. Your mouth, your mind, your whole being becomes exercised and worked upon by the Spirit of God. I was called to a certain town in Norway. The hall seated about 1500 people. When I got to the place it was packed and hundreds were trying to get in there were some policemen there. The first thing I did was to preach to the people outside the building. Then I said to the policeman, it hurts me very much that there are more people outside than inside, and I feel I must preach to the people. I would like you to get me the marketplace to preach and they secured for me a great park, and a big stand was erected, and I was able to preach to thousands. After the preaching we had some wonderful cases of healing. One man came a hundred miles bringing in his food with him. He had not been passing anything through his stomach for over a month, as he had a great cancer on his stomach. He was healed at that meeting, and opening his parcel, he began eating before all the people. There was a young woman there with a stiff hand. Instead of the mother making the child use her arm she had allowed the child to keep the arm dormant until it was stiff, and she had grown up to be a young woman, and was like the woman that was bowed down with the spirit of infirmity. As she stood before me I cursed the spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus. It was instantly cast out and the arm was free. Then she waved it all over. At the close of the meeting the devil laid out two people with fits, when the devil is manifesting himself, then is the time to deal with him. Both of these people were delivered, and when they stood up and thanked, and praised the Lord what a wonderful time we had. We need to wake up and be on the stretch to believe God. Before God could bring me to this place he has broken me a thousand times. I have wept, I have groaned. I have travailed many a night, until God broke me it seems to me that until God has mowed you down you never can have this long suffering for others. We can never have the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles in operation only, as we stand in the divine power that God gives us, and we stand believing God, and having done all we still stand believing. We have been seeing wonderful miracles these last days, and they are only a little of what we are going to see. I believe that we are right on the threshold of wonderful things, but I want to emphasize that all these things will be through the power of the Holy Ghost. You must not think 
that these gifts will fall upon you like ripe cherries. There is a sense in which you have to pay the price for everything you get. We must be covetous for God's best gifts and say amen to any preparation the Lord takes us through, in order that we may be humble, usable vessels through whom he himself can operate by means of the Spirit's power. Have faith in God for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray. Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Mark 11 23, 24. These are days when we need to have our faith strengthened, when we need to know God. God has designed that the just shall live by faith. Any man can be changed by faith, no matter how he may be fettered. I know that God's word is sufficient. One word from him can change a nation. His word is from everlasting to everlasting. It is through the entrance of this everlasting word, this incorruptible seed, that we are born again, and come into this wonderful salvation. Man cannot live by bread alone, but must live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is the food of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, by the word of God. Everywhere men are trying to discredit the Bible, and take from it all the miraculous. One preacher says, well, do you know? Jesus arranged beforehand to have that colt tied where it was, and for the men to say just what they did. I tell you God can arrange everything without going near. He can plan for you, and when he plans for you, all is peace. All things are possible if you will believe. Another preacher said, it was an easy thing for Jesus to feed the people with five loaves. The loaves were so big in those days that it was a simple matter to cut them into a thousand pieces each. But he forgot that one little boy brought those five loaves all the way in his lunch basket. There is nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. We have a wonderful God, a God, whose ways are past finding out, and whose grace and power are limitless. I was in Belfast one day and saw one of the brethren of the assembly. He said to me, Wigglesworth, I am troubled. I have had a good deal of sorrow during the past five months. I had a woman in my assembly who could always pray the blessing of heaven down on our meetings. She is an old woman, but her presence is always an inspiration. But five months ago she fell and broke her thigh. The doctors put her into a plaster cast, and after five months they broke the cast. But the bones were not properly set, and so she fell and broke the thigh again. He took me to her house, and there was a woman lying in a bed on the right-hand side of the room. I said to her, well, what about it now? She said, they have sent me home incurable. The doctors say, that I am so old that my bones won't net. There is no nutriment in my bones, and they could never do anything for me, and they say I shall have to lay in bed for the rest of my life. I said to her, can you believe God? She replied, yes, ever since I heard that you had come to Belfast my faith has been quickened. If you will pray, I will believe. I know there is no power on earth that can make the bones of my thigh in it, but I know there is nothing impossible with God. I said, do you believe he will meet you now? She answered, I do. It is grand to see people believe God. God knew all about this leg and that it was broken in two places. I said to the woman, when I pray something will happen. 
Her husband was sitting there. He had been in his chair for four years and could not walk a step. He called out, I don't believe. I won't believe. You will never get me to believe. I said, all right, and laid my hands on his wife in the name of the Lord Jesus. The moment hands were laid upon her the power of God went right through her and she cried out, I'm healed. I said, I'm not going to assist you to rise. God will do it all. She rose, and walked up and down the room, praising God. The old man was amazed at what had happened to his wife, and he cried out, Make me walk, make me walk. I said to him, You old sinner, repent. He cried out, Lord, do you know I never meant what I said? Do you know I believe? I don't think he meant what he said, anyhow the Lord was full of compassion. If he marked our sins, where would any of us be? If we will meet the conditions, God will always meet us if we believe, all things are possible. I laid my hands on him, and the power went right through the old man's body, and those legs, for the first time, in four years, received power to carry his body, and he walked up and down and in, and out. He said, Oh what great things God has done for us tonight! What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe, that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Desire toward God and you will have desires from God, and he will meet you on the line of those desires when you reach out in simple faith. A man came to me in one of my meetings who had seen other people healed and wanted to be healed, too. He explained that his arm had been fixed in a certain position for many years, and he could not move it. Got any faith? I asked. He said he had a lot of faith. After prayer he was able to swing his arm round and round. But he was not satisfied and complained, I feel a little bit of trouble just there, pointing to a certain place. Do you know what is the trouble with you? He answered, No I said, imperfect faith. What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe, that ye receive there, anal ye shall have them. Did you believe, before you are saved? So many people would be saved, but they want to feel safe first. There was never a man who felt safe, before he believed. God's plan is always this, if you will believe, you shall see the glory of God. I believe God wants to bring us all to a definite place of unswerving faith and confidence in himself. Jesus here uses the figure of a mountain. Why does he say a mountain? Because, if faith can remove a mountain, it can remove anything. The plan of God is so marvelous, that if you will only believe, all things are possible. There is one special phrase to which I want to call your attention, and shall not doubt in his heart. The heart is the mainspring. See that young man and young woman. They have fallen in love at first sight. In a short while there is a deep affection, and a strong heart love, the one toward the other. What is a heart of love? A heart of faith. Faith and love act skin. In the measure that that young man, and that young woman love one another they are true. One may go to the north and the other to the south, but, because of their love they will be true to each other. It is the same when there is a deep love in the heart toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In this new life into which God has brought us, Paul tells us that we have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. God brings us into a place of perfect love and perfect faith. A man who is born of God is brought into an inward affection, a loyalty to the Lord, Jesus, that shrinks from anything impure. You see the purity of a man and woman, when there is a deep natural affection between them, they disdain the very thought of either of them being untrue. 
I say, that, in the measure that a man has faith in Jesus, he is pure. He that believes that Jesus is the Christ overcomes the world. It is a faith that works by love. Just as we have heart fellowship with our Lord our faith cannot be daunted. We cannot doubt in our hearts. There comes, as we go on with God, a wonderful association, an impartation of His very life and nature within. As we read His word and believe the promises that He has so graciously given to us, we are made partakers of His very essence and life. The Lord is made to us a bridegroom, and we are His bride. His words to us are spirit and life, transforming us and changing us, expelling that which is natural and bringing in that which is divine. It is impossible to comprehend the love of God as we think on natural lines. We must have the revelation from the Spirit of God. God giveth liberally. He that asketh, receiveth. God is willing to bestow on us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, it was the love of God that brought Jesus. And it is the same love that helps you and me to believe. In every weakness God will be your strength. You who need his touch, remember that he loves you. Look, wretched, helpless, sick one, away to the God of all grace, whose very essence is love, who delights to give liberally all the inheritance of life and strength and power that you are in need of. When I was in Switzerland the Lord was graciously working and healing many of the people. I was staying with Brother Royce of God at Will, and two policemen were sent to arrest me. The charge was that I was healing the people without a license. Mr. Royce said to them, I am sorry that he is not here just now. He is holding a meeting about two miles away, but before you arrest him let me show you something. Brother Royce took these two policemen down to one of the lower parts of that district, to a house with which they were familiar, for they had often gone to that place, to arrest a certain woman who was repeatedly put in the prison because of continually being engaged in drunken brawls. He took them to this woman and said to them, This is one of the many cases of blessing that have come through the ministry of the man you have come to arrest. This woman came to our meeting in a drunken condition. Her body was broken, for she was ruptured in two places. While she was drunk, the evangelist laid his hands on her, and asked God, to heal her, and deliver her. The woman joined in, yes, and God saved me, and I have not tasted a drop of liquor, since. The policeman had warrant for my arrest, but they said with disgust, let the doctors do this kind of thing. They turned, and went away, and that was the last we heard of them. We have a Jesus that heals the broken-hearted, who lets the captives go free, who saves the very worst. Dare you, dare you, spurn this glorious gospel of God for spirit, soul, and body. Dare you spurn this grace. I realize that this full gospel has in great measure teenhood, this gospel, that brings liberty, this gospel, that brings souls out of bondage, this gospel, that brings perfect health to the body, this gospel of entire salvation. Listen again to this word of him, who left the glory to bring us this great salvation. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. He shall have whatsoever he would. Whatsoever. I realize that God can never bless us on the lines of being hard-hearted, critical, or unforgiving. This will hinder faith quicker than anything. I remember being at a meeting where there were some people tarrying for the baptism seeking for cleansing, for the moment a person is cleansed the spirit will fall. There was one man with eyes red from weeping bitterly. He said to me, I shall have to leave. It is no good my staying without I change things. 
I have written a letter to my brother-in-law and filled it with hard words and this thing must first be straightened out. He went home and told his wife, I'm going to write a letter to your brother and ask him to forgive me for writing to him the way I did. You fool. She said. Never mind, he replied, this is between God and me and it has got to be cleared away. He wrote the letter and came again and straightway God filled him with the Spirit. I believe there are a great many people who would be healed, but they are harboring things in their hearts that are as a blight. Let these things go. Forgive, and the Lord will forgive you. There are many good people, people that mean well, but they have no power to do anything for God. There is just some little thing that came in their hearts years ago, and their faith has been paralyzed ever since. Bring everything to the light. God will sweep it all away if you will let him. Let the precious blood of Christ cleanse from all sin. If you will, but believe, God will meet you, and bring into your lives the sunshine of his love. Healings in New Zealand We have received a few testimonies of those healed in the meeting conducted by Brother Smith Wigglesworth at Wellington, New Zealand. Mrs. E. Curtis of Christ Church, New Zealand, was suffering with septic poisoning. She had become only a skeleton, and the doctors could do nothing for her. She had agonizing pains all day, and all night. She was healed immediately prayer was made for her. She states that for the past 16 years she has been a martyr to pain, but is now wonderfully well. Another testified to healing to deafness, goiter, adenoids, and bad eyesight. Another testified to healing of double curvature of the spine from infancy, hip disease, weak heart, leg lengthened three inches, which grew normal like the other leg. It was also three inches less in circumference. She wore a large boot but now walks on even feet, the large boot having been discarded. Another was healed from goiter through a handkerchief. Pentecostal Evangel. The discerning of spirits to another discerning of spirits 1 Cor. 12.10. There is a vast difference between natural discernment and spiritual. When it comes to natural discernment you will find many people loaded with it and they can see so many faults in others. To such the words of Christ, in the sixth chapter of Luke surely apply, Why beholdest thou the mote, that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam, that is in thine own eye? If you want to manifest natural discernment, focus the same on yourself for at least twelve months, and you will see so many faults in yourself that you will never want to fuss about the faults of another. In the sixth of Isaiah we read of the prophet being in the presence of God, and he found that even his lips were unclean, and everything was unclean. But praise God, there is the same live call for us today, the baptism of fire, the perfecting of the heart, the purifying of the mind, the regeneration of the spirit. How important it is that the fire of God shall touch our tongues. In 1 John 4 1 we are told, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. We are further told, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. From time to time as I have seen a person, under the power of evil, or having a fit, I have said to the power of evil, or satanic force, that is within the possessed person, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And straightway they have answered, no they either say, no, or hold their tongues, refusing altogether to acknowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ came in the flesh. It is then, remembering that further statement of John's, greater is he, that is in you than he, 
that is in the world, that you can in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ deal with the evil powers and command them to come out. We as Pentecostal people must know the tactics of the evil one and must be able to displace and dislodge him from his position. I was preaching in Doncaster, England, at one time on the line of faith and a number of people were delivered. There was a man present who was greatly interested and moved by what he saw. He was suffering himself with a stiffney and had yards and yards of flannel wound around it. After he got home he said to his wife, I have taken in Wigglesworth's message and now I am going to act on it and get deliverance. Wife, I want you to be the audience. He took hold of his knee and said, Come out, you devil, in the name of Jesus. Then he said, It is all right, wife. He took the yards and yards of flannel off and found he was all right without the bandage. The next night he went to the little primitive Methodist church where he worshipped. There were a lot of young people who were in bad plight there and Jack had a tremendous business delivering his friends through the name of Jesus. He had been given to see that a great many ills to which flesh is there are nothing else but the operation of the enemy, but his faith had risen, and he saw that in the name of Jesus there was a power that was more than a match for the enemy. I arrived one night at Gothenburg in Sweden and was asked to hold a meeting there. In the midst of the meeting a man fell full length in the doorway. The evil spirit drew him down, manifesting itself, and disturbing the whole meeting. I rushed to the door and laid hold of this man, and cried out to the evil spirit within him, Come out, you devil! In the name of Jesus we cast you out as an evil spirit. I lifted him up and said, Stand on your feet, and walk in the name of Jesus. I don't know whether anybody in the meeting understood me except the interpreter, but the devils knew what I said. I talked in English but these devils in Sweden cleared out. A similar thing happened in Christiania. The devil will endeavor to fascinate through the eyes and through the mind. At one time there was brought to me a beautiful young woman who had been fascinated with some preacher and just because he had not given her satisfaction on the line of courtship and marriage, the devil took advantage and made her fanatical and mad. They brought her 250 miles in that condition. She had previously received the baptism in the Spirit. You ask, is there any place for the enemy in one that has been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Our only safety is in going on with God and in constantly being filled with the Holy Ghost. You must not forget Demas. He must have been baptized with the Holy Ghost for he appears to have been a right-hand worker with Paul. But the enemy got him to the place where he loved this present world, and he dropped off. When they brought this young woman to me the evil power was immediately discerned, and immediately I cast the thing out in the name of Jesus. It was a great joy to present her before all the people in her right mind again. There is a life of perfect deliverance, and this is where God wants you to be. If I find my peace is disturbed on any line, I know it is the enemy who is trying to work. How do I know this? because the Lord has promised to keep your mind in perfect peace when it is stayed on him. Paul tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, the Holy Spirit breathes through him, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, and acceptable, and perfect will of God. He further tells us in Phil. 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
As we think about that which is pure, we become pure. As we think about that which is holy, we become holy. And as we think about our Lord Jesus Christ, we become like Him. We are changed into the likeness of the object on which our gaze is fixed. To discern spirits we must dwell with Him, who is holy, and He will give the revelation, and unveil the mask of satanic power, on all lines. In Australia I went to one place, where there were disrupted and broken homes. The people were so deluded by the evil power of Satan, that men had left their wives, and wives had left their husbands, and had gotten into spiritual affinity with one another. That is the devil. May God deliver us from such evils in these days. There is no one better than the companion God has given you. I have seen so many broken hearts, and so many homes, that have been wrecked. We need a real revelation of these evil seducing spirits which come in, and fascinate by the eye, and destroy lives, and bring the work of God into disrepute. But there is always flesh behind it. It is never clean, it is unholy, impure, satanic, devilish, and hell is behind it. If the enemy comes and attempts you on any line, like this, I beseech you to look instantly to the Lord Jesus. He can deliver you from any such satanic power. You must be separated on all lines if you are going to have faith. The Holy Ghost will give us this gift of discerning of spirits if we desire it so that we may perceive by revelation this evil power which comes in to destroy. We can reach out and get this unction of the Spirit that will reveal these things unto us. You will have people come to meetings who are spiritists. You must be able to deal with spiritist conditions. You can so deal with them that they will not have any power in the meetings. If you ever have theosophists or Christian scientists, you must be able to discern them and settle them. Never play with them, always clear them out. They are better with their own company always, unless they are willing to be delivered from the delusion they are and remember the warning of the Lord Jesus, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. Before Satan can bring his evil spirits there has to be an open door. Hear what the scriptures say that wicked one toucheth him not 1 John 5:18. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, he shall preserve thy soul sock. 121.7 How does Satan get an opening? When the saint ceases to seek after holiness, purity, righteousness, truth, when he ceases to pray, stops reading the word, and gives way to carnal appetites, then it is that Satan comes. So often sickness comes, as a result of disobedience. David said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Seek the Lord and he will sanctify every thought, every act, till your whole being is ablaze with holy purity, and your one desire will be for him, who has created you in holiness. Oh, this holiness! Can we be made pure? We can. Every inbred sin must go. God can cleanse away every evil thought. Can we have a hatred for sin, and a love for righteousness? Yes, God will create within the a pure heart. He will take away the stony heart out of the flesh. He will sprinkle thee with clean water, and thou shalt be cleansed from all thy filthiness. When will he do it? When you seek him for such inward purity. The gift of prophecy in one core. 12 10, speaking of the diversities of gifts by the same spirit, Paul writes, to another prophecy. We see the importance of this gift from one core. 14.1, where we are told to follow after charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that we may prophesy. We see also that he that prophesieth speaketh unto man to edification, and exhortation and comfort. 
how important it is then that we should have this gift and manifestation in the church in order, that the saints might be built up and made strong and filled with the comfort of God. But with this as all other gifts we should see that it is operated by the Spirit's power, and brought forth in the unction of the Spirit, so that everyone, who shall hear prophecy, as it is brought forth by the Spirit of God, shall know that it is God, who is bringing forth that which is for the edification of those who hear. It is the Spirit of God who takes of the deep things of God, and reveals them, and in Shanais is the prophet to give forth that which is a revelation of the things of God. Utterance in prophecy has a real lifting power and gives real light on the truth to those who hear. Prophecy is never a mind reflection, it is something far deeper than is. By means of prophecy we receive that which is the mind of the Lord, and, as we receive these blessed, fresh utterances through the Spirit of the Lord the whole assembly is lifted into the realm of the spiritual. Our hearts and minds and whole bodies receive a quickening through the Spirit-given word. As the Spirit brings forth prophecy we find there is healing and salvation and power in every line. For this reason it is one of the gifts that we ought to covet. While we appreciate true prophecy, we must not forget that the Scriptures warn us in no uncertain manner concerning that which is false. In 1 John 4 1 we are told, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And John tells us how we can tell the difference between the true and the false, hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, but this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. There are voices which seem like prophecy, and some have got into terrible darkness and bondage through listening to these counterfeits of the true gift of prophecy. True prophecy is always Christ-exalting, magnifying the Son of God, exalting the blood of Jesus Christ, encouraging the saints to praise and worship the true God. False prophecy deals with things that do not edify, and is designed to puff up its hearers, and to lead them into error. Many picture Satan as a great, ugly monster with great ears, eyes, and a tail, but the scriptures give us no such picture of him. He was a being of great beauty, whose heart became lifted up. He is manifesting himself everywhere today, as an angel of light. He is full of pride, and if you don't watch he will try to make you think you are somebody. This is the weakness of most preachers, and most men the idea of being somebody. There are none of us who are anything, and the more we know we are nothing, the more God can make us a channel of his power. May the dear Lord save us from all these pride sidelines they are the devil's traps. True prophecy will show you that Christ is all in all and that you are in yourself less than nothing and vanity. False prophecy will not magnify Christ, but will make you think that after all you are going to be some great one. You may be sure that such is inspired by the chief of the sons of pride. I want to warn you against the foolishness of continually seeking to hear voices. Look in the Bible. Here we have the voice of God, who at sundry times, and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, and hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Don't run away with anything else. If you hear the voice of God it will be on the line of the scriptures of truth given in the inspired word. In Rev 22:18-19, we see the danger of attempting to add to, or take from the prophecy of this book. True prophecy as it comes forth in the power of the Spirit of God, will neither take from nor add to the Scriptures, but will intensify and quicken that which already has been given to us of God. 
the Holy Ghost will bring to our remembrance all the things that Jesus said and did. True prophecy will bring forth things new and old out of the scriptures of truth and will make them living and powerful to us. Some may ask, if we have the scriptures, why do we need prophecy? The scriptures themselves answer this question. God has said that in the last days he will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The Lord knew that in these last days prophecy would be a real means of blessing to us, and that is why we can count on him giving us, by means of the spirit, through his servants and his handmaids, true prophetic messages. I want to give you a warning concerning listening to voices. I was at a meeting in Paisley in Scotland, and came in touch with two young women. One of them wore a white blouse but it was smeared with blood. They were in a great state of excitement. These two girls were telegraph operators and were precious young women, having received the baptism in the Spirit. They were both longing to be missionaries. But whatever our spiritual state is we are subject to temptations. An evil power came to one of these young women and said, If you will obey me, I will make you one of the most wonderful missionaries that ever went out. This was just the devil or one of his agents acting as an angel of light. One of these young women was captured immediately, and she became so excited that her sister saw there was something wrong, and asked the overseer to allow them to be free for a time. As she took her into a room, the power of Satan, endeavoring to imitate the Spirit of God, manifested itself in a voice, and led this young woman to believe that the missionary enterprise would be unfolded that night if she would obey. This evil spirit said, Don't tell anybody but your sister. I reckon that everything of God can be told everybody. If you cannot preach what you live, your life is wrong. If you are afraid of telling what you do in secret, someday it will be told from the house stop. Don't think you will get out of it. That which is pure commend to the light he that doeth truth commend to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The evil power went on to say to this girl, you go to the railroad station tonight, and there will be a train coming in at 7.32. Buy a ticket for yourself and your sister. Then you will have sixpence left. You will find a woman in a carriage dressed as an nurse, and opposite her will be a gentleman who has all the money you need. She bought her ticket and had just sixpence left. The first thing came right. Next, the train came in at exactly 7.32 but the next thing did not come. They ran from the top to the bottom of that railroad train before it moved out and nothing turned out as they had been told. As soon as the train moved out the same voice came and said, over, on the other platform. All that night until 9.30 these two young women were rushed from platform to platform. As soon as it was 9.30 the same evil power said, now that I know you will obey me, I will make you the greatest missionaries. Always something big. They might have known it was all wrong. This evil power said, This gentleman will take you to a certain bank at a certain corner in Glasgow, where he will put all that money in for you. Banks are not open at that time of night in Glasgow. If she had gone to the street this evil spirit mentioned, there probably would not have been a bank there. All any did was a little common sense, and they would have seen that it was not the Lord. If you have your heart open for these kind of voices you will soon get into a trap. We must ever remember that there are many evil spirits in the world. Were these two people delivered? Yes, after terrible travail with God, they were perfectly delivered. Their eyes were opened to see that this thing was not of God, but of the devil. 
These two sisters are now laboring for the Lord in China and doing a blessed work for him. If you do get into error on these lines, praise God, there is a way out. I praise God that he will break us down till all pride leaves us. The worst pride we can have is the pride of exaltation of self. Paul wrote at the commandment of the Lord, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. If you are not humble enough to allow your prophecy to be judged, it is as surely wrong, as you are wrong. Prophecy has to be judged. A meeting such as this one that Paul suggests would certainly be the greatest meeting you ever had. Praise God, the tide will rise to this. It will all come into perfect order, when the church is bathed and lost in the great ideal of only glorifying Jesus. Then things will come to pass that will be worthwhile. Coupled with prophecy you will have the fruit of the Spirit, that is goodness. They were holy men who spoke in prophecy in days of old as the Holy Ghost prompted them, and so today the prophet, who can be trusted as a man, that is full of goodness, that goodness which is the fruit of the Spirit. But when he gets out of this position, and rests upon his own individuality, he is in danger of being puffed up and becoming an instrument for the enemy. I knew some people who had a wonderful farm, very productive, in a very good neighborhood, they listened to voices telling them to sell everything and go to Africa. These voices so unhinged them that they had scarcely had time to sell out. They sold their property at a ridiculous price. The same voices told them of a certain ship they were to sail on. When they got to the port they found there wasn't a ship of that name. The difficulty was this, to get them not to believe these false voices. They said perhaps it was the mind of the Lord to give them another ship, and the voice soon gave them the name of another ship. When they reached Africa they knew no language that was spoken there. But the voice did not let them stop. They had to come back, broken-hearted, shaken through, and having lost all confidence in everything. If these people had had sense to go to some men of God who were filled with the Spirit and seek their counsel, they would soon have been persuaded that these voices were not of God. But listening to these voices always brings about to spiritual pride that makes a man or woman think that they are superior to their brethren and that they are above taking counsel of men who they think are not so filled with the Spirit as they are. If you hear any voices that make you think that you are superior to those whom God has put in the church to rule the church, watch out, that is surely the devil. We read in the Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You will find that true prophetic utterance always exalts the Lamb of God. No prophetic touches of any good unless there is fire in it. I never expect to be used of God till the fire burns. I feel that if I ever speak, it must be by the Spirit. At the same time remember that the prophet must prophesy according to the measure of faith. If you rise up in your weakness, but rise up in love because you want to honor God and just begin, you will find the presence of the Lord upon you. Act in faith and the Lord will meet you. May God take us on and on into this glorious fact of faith that we may be so in the Holy Ghost that God will work through us on the line of the miraculous and on the lines of prophecy where we shall always know that it is no longer we but He who is working through us bringing forth that which is in His own divine good pleasure. The gift of tongues follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that ye may prophesy for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, 
howbeit, in the spirit he speaketh mysteries 1 Cor. 14 1, 2. It is necessary that we have a great desire for spiritual gifts. We must thirst after them and covet them earnestly, because the gifts are necessary and important, that we, by the grace of God having received the gifts, may be used for God's glory. God has ordained the speaking in an unknown tongue unto himself, as a wonderful, supernatural means of communication in the Spirit. As we speak to him in the unknown tongue we speak wonderful mysteries in the Spirit. In Ram 8.27 We read, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Many times as we speak unto God, in an unknown tongue we are in intercession, and, as we pray thus in the Spirit we pray according to the will of God. And there is such a thing as the Spirit making intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. On this line I want to tell you about Willie Burton, who is laboring for God, in the Belgium Congo. Brother Burton is a mighty man of God, and is giving his life for the heathen in Africa. He took fever, and went down to death. They said, he has preached his last, what shall we do? All their hopes seemed to be blighted, and there they stood, with broken hearts, wondering what was going to take place. They left him for dead, but, in a moment, without any signal, he stood right in the midst of them, and they could not understand it. The explanation he gave was this, that, when he came to himself, he realized a warmth going right through his body, and there wasn't one thing wrong with him. How did it come about? It was a mystery until he went to London, and was telling the people, how he was left for dead, and then was raised up. A lady came up and asked for a private conversation with him, and arranged a time. She asked, do you keep a diary? He answered, yes. She told him, it happened on a certain day, that I went to pray and as soon as I knelt, I had you on my mind. The Spirit of the Lord took hold of me and prayed through me in an unknown tongue. A vision came before me in which I saw you laid out helpless, and I cried out in the unknown tongue, till I saw you rise up and go out of that room. She had kept a note of the time, and when he turned to his diary he found that it was exactly the time when he was raised up. There are great possibilities, as we yield to the Spirit, and speak unto God, in quiet hours in our bedrooms. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, so that everything about you shall be charged with the dynamic of heaven. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Verse 4. I want you to see, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, or builds himself up. We must be edified before we can edify the church. I cannot estimate what I, personally, owe to the Holy Ghost method of spiritual edification. I am here before you as one of the biggest conundrums in the world. There never was a weaker man on the platform. Language? None. Inability full of it. All natural things in my life point exactly opposite to my being able to stand on the platform and preach the gospel. The secret is that the Holy Ghost came and brought this wonderful edification of the Spirit. I had been reading this word continue alve as well, as I could, but the Holy Ghost came, and took hold of it, for the Holy Ghost is the breath of it, and he illuminated it to me and he gives me language, that I cannot speak fast enough, it comes too fast, and it is there because God has given it. When the Comforter is come he shall teach you all things, and he has given me this supernatural means, of speaking in an unknown tongue, to edify myself, so that, after being edified, I can edify the church. In 1 John 2.20 we read, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things.
In verse 27 we read, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man should teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Even when you are baptized in the Spirit you may say, I seem so dry, I don't know where I am. The word says you have an unction. Thank God you have received an anointing. The Holy Ghost here says that he is abiding, and that he teaches you of all things. These are great and definite positions for you. The Holy Ghost would have used to up your faith to believe that this word is true that you have the unction, and that the anointing abideth. As you rise up in the morning believe this wonderful truth, and as you yield to the Spirit's presence and power you will find yourself speaking unto God in the Spirit, and you will find that you are personally being edified by doing this. Let everything about you be a lie, but let this word of God be true. The devil will say you are the driest person, and that you will never do anything, but you believe God's word, that the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth, and he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edification. You must understand that God would always have you to be in the place of prophecy, for everyone who has received the Holy Ghost has a right to prophesy. In verse 31 we read, Ye may all prophesy one by one. Now prophecy is far in advance of speaking in tongues, except that you have the interpretation of the speaking in tongues, and then God gets an equivalent to prophecy. In verse 13 we read, Let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray, that he may interpret. This is an important word. After receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance, I did not speak with tongues again for nine months. I was troubled about it because I went up and down laying hands upon people, that they might receive the Holy Ghost, and they were speaking in tongues, but I did not have the joy of speaking myself. God wanted to show me that the speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance, which I received when I received the baptism, was distinct from the gift of tongues which I subsequently received. When I laid hands on other people, and they received the Holy Ghost, I used to think, Oh, Lord Jesus, it would be nice if you would let me speak. He withheld the gift from me, for he knew that I would meet many who would say that the baptism of the Holy Ghost can be received without the speaking in tongues, and that people simply received the gift of tongues when they received the baptism. I did not receive the gift of tongues at that time, but nine months later I was going out of the door one morning, speaking to the Lord, in my own heart, when there came a volume of tongues. When the tongue stopped I said to the Lord, Now, Lord, I did not do it and I wasn't seeking it, so you have done it, and I am not going to move from this place, until you give me interpretation. And then came an interpretation which has been fulfilled all the world over. Is it the Holy Ghost who speaks? Then the Holy Ghost can interpret. Let him that speaks in a tongue pray, that he may interpret, and God will give it. We must not rush through without getting a clear understanding of what God has to say to us what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 15. If you pray in an unknown tongue in the Spirit you do not know what you are praying, you have no understanding of it. It is unfruitful to those round about you, but you have the same power to pray with the understanding, under the unction of the Spirit, as you have to pray in an unknown tongue. Some say, oh, I could do that, but it would be myself doing it. If you pray, 
It is yourself, and everything you do in the beginning is yourself. I kneel down to pray and the first and second sentences. May be in the natural, but as soon as I have finished, the spirit begins to pray through me the first may be yourself. Granted. The next will be the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will take you through, praise the Lord. Everything but faith will say, that isn't right. Faith says, it is right. The natural man says, it isn't right. Faith says, it is right. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also, and he does it in faith. The devil is against it and your own self-life is against it. May God the Holy Ghost bring us into the blessed place, where we may live, walk, pray, and sing in the Spirit, and pray, and sing with the understanding also. Faith will do it. Faith has a deaf ear to the devil, and to the working of the natural mind, and a big ear to God. Faith has a deaf ear to yourself, and an open ear to God. Faith won't take any notice of feelings. Faith says, you are complete in Him. It is a wonderful thing to pray in the Spirit, and to sing in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and singing in tongues, as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. I never get out of bed in the morning without having communion with God, in the Spirit. It is the most wonderful thing on earth. It is most lovely to be in the Spirit, when you are dressing, and you come out to the world, and the world has no effect on you. You begin the day like that and you will be conscious of the guidance of the Spirit right through the day. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue ver. 18, 19. Many people will come round, and say, that Paul said, he would rather speak five words with the known tongue than ten thousand words without understanding. Then we'll always leave out that part of the sentence, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than y'all. Paul was here correcting the excessive speaking in tongues without interpretation, which was not for the edification of the assembly. If there was no interpreter present, they were simply to speak to themselves, and to God. Suppose we had someone preaching, and we had twenty or thirty people all up and down in tongues, it would be very serious. There would be confusion. The people who attend the meeting would rather have five words of edification, consolation, and comfort, than ten thousand words without understanding. Because you feel a touch of the Spirit you are not obliged to speak in tongues. The Lord will give you a sound mind so that you will hold your body in perfect order for the edification of the church. But Paul here says that he spake in tongues more than they all, and, as it is evident that the Corinthian church was given to this thing very considerably, he certainly must have been speaking tremendously in tongues both day and night. He was so edified by this wonderful, supernatural means of being built up, that he could go to the church, and preaching in a manner so that they could all understand him, he would marvelously edify the saints. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues, and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Verses 21, 22. There are many who call themselves believers, who are extremely unbelieving. One of the unbelieving believers was a Methodist minister who lived in Sheffield, England. A man gave him a check and told him to go and take a rest. This man also gave him my name and address, so, when he got to Bradford, he began to inquire about me. He was warned against me as one of the Dungs people, and was told to be very careful, and not to be taken in, 
for the whole thing was of the devil. He said, They will not take me in, I know too much for them to take me in. He was quite run down and needed rest, and when he came he said, A friend of yours sent me, is it all right? I replied, Yes, you are welcome. But we could do nothing with that man. It was impossible. Talk. You never heard anyone talk like him. It was talk, 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 talk. I said, let him alone, he will surely finish some day. We had dinner, and he talked through dinner time. We had the next meal, and he talked through that. It was our Friday night meeting for those seeking the baptism, and the room began to fill with people, and still he talked. No one could get an agent. He lodged himself in a place where he could not be disturbed by those coming in. I said, brother, you will have to stop now. We are going to pray. As a general thing we had some singing before going to prayer, but this time it was different. It was God's order. We got straight to prayer and as soon as we began to pray two young women, one on this side and the other on the other side began speaking in tongues. And this minister it was also strange to him moved from one to the other to hear what they were saying. In a little while he said, May I go to my room? I said, Yes, brother, if you wish. So he went to his room and we had a wonderful time. We went to bed about eleven o'clock or so, and at half past three in the morning this man came to the bedroom door. Knock, knock, may I come in? Yes, come in. He opened the door and said, He is come, he is come holding his mouth, for he could hardly speak in English. I said, Go back to bed, tell us tomorrow. Tongues are for the unbeliever, and this man was an unbeliever, an unbelieving believer. Again and again I have seen conviction come upon people through the speaking in tongues. The next morning he came down to breakfast and said, Oh, was not that a wonderful night? He said, I know Greek and Hebrew, and those two young women were speaking these languages. One was saying in Greek, back quote get right with God, and the other was saying the same thing in Hebrew. I knew it was God speaking, and I knew it was not me. I first had to repent. I came in an unbeliever, but I found that God was here. In the night God laid me on the floor for about two hours. I was helpless. Then God broke through. Here he began again to speak in tongues, right over the breakfast table. God will have witnesses of his mighty power that no man can gainsay. You will have to see that the Holy Ghost will speak through you in tongues and interpretation which will bring conviction to the unbeliever in the open air, and you will find that God will convict by this means. I will explain to you the most perfect way to receive the gift. Come with me to the second chapter of 2 Kings, and I will show you a man receiving a gift. Elijah had been mightily used of God in calling down fire, and in other miracles, and Elisha is moved with a great spirit of covetousness to have this man's gifts. You can be very covetous for the gifts of the Spirit and God will allow it. When Elijah said to him, I want you to stop at Gilgal, Elisha said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. There was no stopping him. When Elijah wanted Elisha to stop at Jericho he said in substance, I am not stopping. The man that stops gets nothing. Oh, don't stop at Jericho, don't stop at Jordan, don't stop anywhere when God would have you move on into all of his fullness that he has for you. They came to Jordan and Elijah took his mantle and smote the waters. They divided and Elijah and Elisha went over on dry ground. Elijah turned to Elisha and said in substance, Look here, what do you want? Elisha was wanting what he was going to have, and you may covet all that God says that you shall have. 
Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. This was the plowboy who had washed the hands of his master, but his spirit got so big that he purposed in his heart that when Elijah stepped off the scene, he would be put into his place. Elijah said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. May God help you never to stop persevering till you get what you want. Let your aspiration be large and your faith rise, until you are wholly on fire for God's best. Onward they go, and, as one steps, the other steps with him. He purposed to keep his eye on his master, until the last. It took a chariot of fire and horses of fire to part them asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I can fancy I hear Elisha crying out, Father Elijah, drop that mantle. And it came down. Oh, I can see it lowering, lowering, and lowering. Elisha took all of his own clothes, and rent them in two pieces, and then he took up the mantle of Elijah. I do not believe that, when he put on that other mantle, he felt any difference, in himself, but when he came to Jordan, he took the mantle of Elijah, and smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters parted, and he went over on dry ground. And the sons of the prophet said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest upon Elisha. It is like receiving a gift, you don't know, that you have it till you act in faith. Brothers and sisters, as you ask, believe. The word of knowledge, and faith to another the word of knowledge, by the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit one core. 12.8.9 We have not passed this way hitherto. I believe that Satan has many devices, and that they are worse today, than ever before, but I also believe that there is to be a full manifestation on the earth of the power and glory of God, to defeat every device of Satan. In Ephesians 4 we are told to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, for there is one body, and one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, of all. The baptism of the Spirit is to make us all one. Paul tells us in one core. 12.13 that by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. It is God's thought that we speak the same thing. If we all have the full revelation of the Spirit of God we shall all see the same thing. Paul asked these Corinthians, is Christ divided? When the Holy Ghost has full control, Christ is never divided, his body is not divided, there is no division. Schism and division are the products of the carnal mind. How important it is that we shall have the manifestation of the word of knowledge in our midst. It is the same Spirit who brings forth the word of wisdom, that brings forth the word of knowledge. The revelation of the mysteries of God comes by the Spirit, and we must have a supernatural word of knowledge in order to convey to others the things which the Spirit of God has revealed. The Spirit of God reveals Christ in all his wonderful fullness, and he shows him to us from the beginning to the end of the Scriptures. It is the Scriptures that make us wise unto salvation, that open to us the depths of the kingdom of heaven, which reveal all the divine mind to us. There are thousands of people who read and study the word of God but it is not quickened to them. The Bible is a dead letter except by the Spirit. The Word of God can never be vital and powerful in us except by the Spirit. The words that Christ spoke were not just dead words, but they were Spirit and life. And so it is the thought of God, that a living Word, a Word of Truth, the Word of God, a supernatural Word of Knowledge, shall come forth from us through the power of the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Ghost who will bring forth utterances from our lips and a divine revelation of all the mind of God.
the child of God ought to thirst for the word. He should know nothing else but the word, and should know nothing among men save Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is, as we feed on the word, and meditate on the message it contains, that the Spirit of God can vitalize that which we have received, and bring forth through us the word of knowledge, that will be as full of power and life, as when he, the Spirit of God, moved upon holy men of old and gave them these inspired scriptures. They were all inbreathed of God as they came forth at the beginning, and through the same Spirit they should come forth from us vitalized, living, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. With the gifts of the Spirit should come the fruit of the Spirit. With wisdom we should have love, with knowledge we should have joy, and with the third gift, faith, we should have the fruit of peace. Faith is always accompanied by peace. Faith always rests. Faith laughs at impossibilities. Salvation is by faith, through grace, and it is the gift of God. We are kept by the power of God through faith. God gives faith and nothing can take it away. By faith we have power to enter into the wonderful things of God. There are three positions of faith, saving faith, which is the gift of God, the faith of the Lord Jesus, and the gift of faith. You will remember the word of the Lord Jesus Christ given to Paul, to which he refers in the 26th of Acts, where the Lord commissioned him to go to the Gentiles, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness unto light, and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them back quote which are sanctified by faith, that is in me oh, this wonderful faith of the Lord Jesus. Your faith comes to an end. How many times I have been to the place, where I have had to tell the Lord, I have used all the faith I have, and then he has placed his own faith within me one, of our workers said to me at Christmas time, Wigglesworth, I never was so near the end of my person my life. I replied, Thank God, you are just at the opening of God's treasures. It is when we are at the end of our own that we can enter into the riches of God's resources. It is when we possess nothing that we can possess all things. The Lord will always meet you when you are on the line of living faith. I was in Ireland at one time and went to a house and said to the lady who came to the door, Is Brother Wallace here? She replied, Oh, he has gone to Bangor but God has sent you here for me I need you. Come and she told me her husband was a deacon of the Presbyterian Church. She had herself received the baptism while she was a member of the Presbyterian Church, but they did not accept it as from God. The people of the church said to her husband, This thing cannot go on. We don't want you to be deacon any longer and your wife is not wanted in the church. The man was very enraged and he became incensed against his wife. It seemed as though an evil spirit possessed him, and the home that had once been peaceful became very terrible. At last he left home and left no money behind him, and the woman asked me what should she do. We went to prayer and before we had prayed five minutes the woman was mightily filled with the Holy Ghost. I said to her, sit down and let me talk to you. Are you often in the spirit like this? She said, yes, and what could I do without the Holy Ghost now? I said to her, the situation is yours. The word of God says that you have power to sanctify your husband. Dare to believe the word of God. Now the first thing we must do is to pray that your husband come back tonight. She said, I know he won't. I said, if we agree together, it is done. She said, I will agree. I said to her, when he comes home show him all possible love, lavish everything upon him. If he won't hear what you have to say, 
Let him go to bed. The situation is yours. Get down before God and claim him for the Lord. Get into the glory just as you have gotten today, and as the Spirit of God prays through you, you will find that God will grant all the desires of your heart. A month later I saw this sister at a convention. She told how her husband came home that night and that he went to bed, but she prayed right through to victory and then laid her hands upon him. The moment she laid hands upon him he cried out for mercy. The Lord saved him and baptized him in the Holy Spirit. The power of God is beyond all our conception. The trouble is that we do not have the power of God in a full manifestation because of our finite thoughts, but as we go on and let God have his way, there is no limit to what our limitless God will do in response to a limitless faith. But you will never get anywhere except you are in constant pursuit of all the power of God. One day when I came home from our open-air meeting, at 11 o'clock I found that my wife was out. I asked, where is she? I was told that she was down at Mitchell's. I had seen Mitchell that day and knew that he was at the point of death. I knew that it was impossible for him to survive the day unless the Lord undertook. There are many who let down in sickness and do not take hold of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that is provided for them. I was taken to see a woman who was dying and said to her, How are things with you? She answered, I have faith, I believe. I said, Do you know that you have not faith, do you know that you are dying? It is not faith that you have, it is language. There is a difference between language and faith. I saw that she was in the hands of the devil. There was no possibility of life until he was removed from the premises. I hate the devil, and I laid hold of the woman, and shouted, Come out, you devil of death. I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. In one minute she stood on her feet in victory. But to return to the case of Brother Mitchell, I hurried down to the house, and, as I got near I heard terrible screams. I knew that something had happened. I passed Mrs. Mitchell on the staircase, and asked, What is up? She replied, He is gone. He is gone. I just passed her, and went into the room, and immediately I saw that Mitchell had gone. I could not understand it, but I began to pray. My wife was always afraid that I would go too far, and she laid hold of Ma, and said, Don't, Dad. Don't you see? That he is dead. I continued to pray and my wife continued to cry out to me, Don't, Dad. Don't you see? That he is dead. But I continued praying. I got as far as I could with my Ovian faith, and then God laid hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart. I shouted, He lives. He lives. He lives. And he is living today. There is a difference between our faith and the faith of the Lord Jesus. The faith of the Lord Jesus is needed. We must change faith from time to time. Your faith may get to a place where it wavers. The faith of Christ never wavers. When you have that faith the thing is finished. When you have that faith you will never look at things as they are. You will see the things of nature give weight to the things of the Spirit. You will see the temporal swallowed up in the eternal. I was at a camp meeting in Casadero, California, several years ago, and a remarkable thing happened. A man came there who was stone deaf. I prayed for him, and I knew that God had healed him. Then came the test. He would always move his chair up to the platform, and every time I got up to speak he would get up as close 
as he could, and strain his ears to catch what I had to say. The devil said, It isn't done. I declared, It is done. This went on for three weeks and then the manifestation came, and he could hear distinctly sixty yards away. When his ears were opened he thought it was so great that he had to stop the meeting and tell everybody about it. I met him in Oakland recently, and he was hearing perfectly. As we remain steadfast and unmovable on the ground of faith, we shall see what we believe for in perfect manifestation. People say to me, have you not the gift of faith? I say that it is an important gift, but what is still more important is for us every moment to be making an advancement in God. Looking at the Word of God today I find that its realities are greater to me today than they were yesterday. It is the most sublime, joyful truth that God brings an enlargement. Always an enlargement. There is nothing dead, dry or barren in this life of the Spirit. God is always moving us on to something higher. And, as we move on in the Spirit our faith will always rise to the occasion as different circumstances arise. This is how the gift of faith is manifested. You see an object and you know that your own faith is nothing in the case. The other day I was in San Francisco. I sat on a car and saw a boy in great agony on the street. I said, let me get out. I rushed to where the boy was. He was in agony through cramp of the stomach. I put my hands on his stomach in the name of Jesus. The boy jumped and stared at me with astonishment. He found himself instantly free. The gift of faith dared in the face of everything. It is, as we are in the Spirit, that the Spirit of God will operate this gift anywhere, and at any time. When the Spirit of God is operating this gift within a man, he causes him to know what God is going to do. When the man with the withered hand was in the synagogue, Jesus got all the people to look to see what would happen. The gift of faith always knows the results. He said to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. His word had creative force. He was not living on the line of speculation. He spoke, and something happened. He spake at the beginning and the world came into being. He speaks today and these things have to come to pass. He is the Son of God and came to bring us into sonship. He was the first fruit of the resurrection and he calls us to be first fruits, to be the same kind of fruit, like to himself. There is an important point here. You cannot have the gifts by mere human desire. The Spirit of God distributes them severally as He will. God cannot trust some with the gift, but some who have a lowly, broken, contrite heart He can trust. One day I was in the meeting, where there were a lot of doctors, and eminent men, and many ministers. It was at a convention, and the power of God fell on the meeting. One humble little girl that waited at table opened her being to the Lord, and was immediately filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in tongues. All these big men stretched their necks and looked up to see what was happening, and were saying, Who is it? Then they learned it was the servant. Nobody received but the servant. These things are hidden and kept back from the wise and prudent, but the little children, the lowly ones, are the ones that receive. We cannot have faith if we have honor one of another. A man who is going on with God won't accept honor from his fellow beings. God honors the man of a broken, contrite spirit. How shall I get there? So many people want to do great things, and to be seen doing them, but the one that God will use is the one, that is willing to be hidden. My Lord Jesus never said he could do things, but he did them. When that funeral procession was coming up from Nain, with the widow's son carried upon the bier, he made them lay it down. 
he spoke the word, Arise, and gave the son back to the widow. He had compassion for her. And you and I will never do anything except on the line of compassion. We shall never be able to remove the cancer until we are immersed so deeply into the power of the Holy Ghost that the compassion of Christ is moving through us. I find that in all my Lord did, he said that he did not do it, but that another in him did the work. What a holy submission! He was just an instrument for the glory of God. Have we reached a place where we are to be trusted with the gift? I see in 1 Corinthians 13 that if I have faith to remove mountains and have not charity, all is a failure. When my love is so deepened in God, that I only move for the glory of God, that I only seek the glory of God, then the gifts can be made manifest. God wants to be manifested and to manifest His glory to humble spirits. A faint heart can never have a gift. There are two things essential. First, love, and second, determination, a boldness of faith that will cause God to fulfill His word. When I was baptized I had a wonderful time and had utterance in the Spirit, but for some time afterwards I did not again speak in tongues. But one day as I was helping another, the Lord again gave me utterances in the Spirit. I was one day going down the road and speaking in tongues a long while. There were some gardeners doing their work and they stuck their heads out to see what was going on. I said, Lord, you have something new for me. You said that when a man speaks in tongues, he should ask for the interpretation. I ask for the interpretation, and I'll stay right here till I get it. And from that hour the Lord gave me interpretation. At one time I was in Lincolnshire in England, and came in touch with the old pastor of an Episcopalian church. He became much interested, and asked me into his library. I never heard anything sweeter than the prayer the old man uttered as he got down to pray. He began to pray, Lord, make me holy. Lord, sanctify me. I called out, wake up. Wake up now. Get up and sit in your chair. He sat up and looked at me. I said to him, I thought you were holy. He answered, yes. Then what makes you ask God to do what he has done for you? He began to laugh and then to speak in tongues. Let us move into the realm of faith and live in the realm of faith and let God have his way.